0: welcome in it's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel I was hoping and, uh, and and working hard to have a special guest for this episode unfortunately we were unable to uh, to make our schedules work uh, we had been trying to organize that over the past couple days uh, but unfortunately uh, he's a little busy right now so Jacob Evans will uh, will not be joining us we will continue uh, working on this, and hopefully sometime after the draft and uh, and things slow down a little bit for him, we will have Jake on the podcast, but we are still going to do a show. The show must go on, so I am joined by David Simone and uh, the special guest, I guess, for this podcast. Uh, it's not the, the, quite to the level of uh, a future NBA draft pick, as uh, Jacob Evans will be tomorrow, but instead... It's a 17-year-old high school kid that follows high school recruiting for us here at BearcatJournal.com. Welcome in, Shane Kenny, Dave, Shane, how you doing, fellas? Shane's mad already. Wonderful. (laughs) Shane? (laughs) Let's go. I'm ready to start talking some Cincinnati recruiting. All right. It has been a very busy two weeks for the Cincinnati Bearcats as uh, they were working through uh, camp season. An interesting camp season this year because... Not many of their commits actually camped. Uh, Everything came kind of in a wave over a a five- to six-day stretch, and we went from not a whole lot of recruits in the boat to almost a full class. Uh, And now Cincinnati has 11 commits uh, in the 2019 class. Potentially a a couple more on the way. We'll continue to monitor and see how those things are going. Uh, Maybe check back tomorrow, Thursday, on BearcatJournal.com. Might have a, a little scoop uh, on an official visit coming to town tomorrow. But that will be on the website. Make sure you check throughout the day tomorrow to uh, to get that information. Uh, but, uh, Shane, we'll start with you. Uh, four defensive backs in two days. Quite the haul for Luke Fickle and, and Mike Mickens and John Tenuta. Um, starting with Justin Harris, who was the last one to commit. He's the highest-ranked prospect in this class from Dayton Wayne and uh, good to see that Dayton Wayne pipeline paying off with Marcus Freeman, your defensive coordinator, Mike Mickens, your defensive back coach, and now the number one prospect in the 2019 class for Cincinnati and Justin Harris, a cornerback.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we mentioned, you know, camps, you know, throughout the cycle, most of the guys who did commit, at least, you know, Justin Harris and Jacob Dingle were guys from last year's camps, you know, that came in and were unknowns surprisingly. And, you You know, turn around a year later and committed over power five offers and became really good additions to this class. You know, you look at Jacob Dingo is really hard hitting safety. I love the kid. I love his film and that. And you got Justin Harris, who I think me and you both agree is the best guy we've seen in person throughout, you know, the camps, you know, throughout the camp season. And then you had a local guy like, you know, Jeremiah Ross. I think it's funny how you get your first commitment after a certain somebody leaves the program. You know, so that was a good get. And then you got Ahmad Gardner, who's a very underrated guy and really lengthy, you know, what they're looking for, you know, know, going forward pretty
0: much at every prospect is length. Dave, I think it's been evident through three recruiting classes, Luke Fickle saw a deficiency in the secondary. Because of all the positions and all the recruits that they've landed since they got to Cincinnati, defensive backfield has been – maybe the single primary focus in, in changing the, the athleticism and the look of that secondary. Uh, I think we're going to see it in heavy doses this year with both Kobe Bryant and Derek Forrest, uh, and then, you know, Arquan Bush and, and and Darnell Shields and Taj Ward and those guys, um, Javon Hicks in the 2018 class, and, and now another influx of talent in 2019. It's been a primary focus. Yeah,
2: absolutely. i think. Feel- Once they've gotten solid footing over the last year plus and realized what they had uh, on the roster when they came in and then what they had once they brought in that truncated first class, um, I think they realized that they needed a lot more speed uh, in the defensive backfield. I think there's some guys that I know that I liked and that you, know, you saw and you probably liked, uh, that have camped over the last several weeks, that they're probably, you know, they might be in that player's top whatever. You know how that works. Just because you put out a top five or top seven, that doesn't mean you're a take on all five or seven of those teams. But I think there's some guys that people would be surprised that they're not that interested in anymore once they realize They just weren't fast enough. I think that's been a big deal, at least and with the defensive backs in the camp season,
0: is that if you can't run, we're not interested. Yeah, and I think it's, especially in this conference, it's prevalent. I mean, the number of times over the past two to three seasons we've seen Guys running free in the secondary, opposing wide receivers, running free in the secondary for long scores, uh, you know, you, you get to a point where you say, we got to do something different. And that different thing is having more athleticism, having more speed, uh, not only a corner, but it's safety as well. And and they've gone in that direction very heavily. Um. The, the 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 Justin Harris thing and I know I keep going back to him I love the confidence of that kid uh he, <laughs> he he committed okay so so he he came in uh they they were having a camp um on that Sunday he came in he committed before the camp started and generally in that situation you know you're you're a take you've committed there's really no need to camp but the kid still wanted to camp and he came down in like track pants and a t-shirt and hat backwards hat backwards, you know, some, some football shoes on. It wasn't like he was completely, you know, dogging it, but came down, looked very casual. We didn't think he was camping. And then Dave, he started camping and watching him. I mean, there were other quality defensive backs that were there that day. And the gap between Justin Harris and those other defensive backs that are going to play D one football was considerable.
2: Yeah, I mean there was there was a couple guys that that we liked, and maybe not for you know at the top of a UC board, but a guy, a couple guys that I you know if I was them, I would at least track, see how they did their senior years, see what kind of interest they had, and. He was just head and shoulders above everybody, and in two areas, to me, where that really, really stood out was just his his footwork in the drills, change of direction, uh, short area quickness was was really good, and and just the way that he caught the ball, it was it was effortless, you know, like you he would just you know pluck it out. Everything was a clean catch. In all the drills, basically, I mean, there was nothing in the body. There were no bobbles. I mean, I'm sure there was one here or there. They catch a lot of balls in these drills. But it was just, you know, it was very, very natural the way he caught the ball. So, you know, and that's, I think, where they, they need focus on guys similar to him is this league is a horizontal league. And you need to be able to cover guys from the hash to the sideline in that 5- to 15-yard range, be able to break on the ball and be able to make the play. I think that's the biggest area that we've seen some struggles over the last couple of years, especially last year. They didn't really give up that many big plays defensively last year, but it seemed like every time somebody needed seven yards, they got nine Or every time somebody needed six yards, they got eight on an out route or something, and the DBs just didn't have that quickness to be able to knock a ball down or step in front of a pass on a key third down. And I think with Harris, that's the thing that jumps out at me the
0: most is what should be his ability to do stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on, and obviously getting a a Jeremiah also goes by J.J. Ross – a big one because his brother played for Kentucky. The The consensus was that he was Kentucky's to lose. Lakota West has been a very difficult place for Cincinnati to uh, get a foothold. Uh, the, the, there's been two guys since 2010. One, Kevin Schlomer. The other, Braxton Neal. Those are the only two guys that have come from Lakota West that has produced a considerable amount of talent in the past eight seasons. So getting... Jeremiah Ross very big for the program, very big for Luke Fickle. Um and then Gardner as Shane mentioned, I think an underrated guy, a guy you know that that they really like his length and his athleticism and you know it'll be interesting to see between those two guys uh who ends up at safety, who ends up at corner. I think it's pretty clear Harris is a corner and Dingle is a safety. With those other two, I think there's I think there's a little bit of wiggle room on figuring out, figuring out which one goes where, um, in, in terms of what we've heard from the defensive backfield, um, there they they there could be another one in play, uh, another spot in play if they can find a big time corner, um, you know that fits the the size and the speed and the the playmaking ability if somebody jumps off the page at them. Uh, I think they could take another corner but I don't think they're gonna take one more just to take one more um, that's kind of the feeling I've got on that uh, the, similar to last
1: year similar to last year's class with uh, Jalen Jackson
0: yeah when they got him out
1: of, yeah it was very similar to that but he ended up going to Georgia Tech which just speaks to that they're only gonna they're gonna be very selective with that last spot
0: yeah the other thing I think in this class so far that that jumps out at me um, they've landed. Two guys listed as offensive linemen And Jimmy McAdams and Marcelo Mindiola. Uh, I think Dave and I both agree If we're looking long term Cameron Jones probably is an offensive lineman um, I know he's listed as a quarterback He could probably play tight end um, He's got the athlete designation now uh, And that's because you can put him In a lot of different places But Dave and I got to see this kid in person My god He is a big boy and it's like, I know he probably wants to play quarterback, but he's just—I mean, he he's is not a quarterback. The
2: perfect. Well, no, he's not a quarterback, and he's the perfect developmental offensive lineman. I mean, we list him at 6'8",
0: 245. There ain't no way he's two forty five. No, if he's two forty five, I'm one forty
2: three. <laughs> and his. I don't know if there's a guy on UC's basketball team with bigger feet than him. No. Already. So, I mean, he... I don't know if he's going to get taller, but he could definitely get bigger enough to be an offensive tackle in some fashion on the right or the left side. But, yeah, I mean, he... And he doesn't seem to care, which is also kind of atypical from the sound of it. He lo- loves UC, and he just wants to play. So if that means offensive line, then he's cool with it.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think we're lo- You know, you look at him long term, as he's probably going to end up on the offensive line. Uh, and then the two other guys, Jimmy Mc- McAdams and Marcelo Mendiola. Uh, I think you know a lot of people are concerned about their ratings. Um, one, I, I don't really ever look at those or care. Two, I think it is more of a mentality thing that Ron Crook wants a little bit more of in that room, and that's guys that play a little nasty. And that's where both of these guys fit. Um, I know Mendiola is listed as a tackle, six five two eighty five. McAdams is listed at six four two ninety five. My guess is both of those guys are guards. Um, by the time that they see the field at UC, both of them have a mean streak. Both of them are very aggressive at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's kind of something that they feel like they've been missing from the the guard position. Um, And that's, you know, I think, Dave, that's why we've seen the running game kind of struggle as it has over the past couple seasons is you're not getting that initial push, that initial burst right at the point of attack. And and these are two guys that they think can do that at guard. And they were more um, this is what Ron Crook wants from his offensive line and he's went out and found two guys he thought could accomplish that for him.
2: Yeah, I think both of those guys, from the sounds of, I mean, obviously I haven't seen either of them, but from from people that have, it seems that both of those guys are definitely ascending players, which is obviously something you want. I think sometimes, you know, especially with linemen, if you're prototypical, Tackle guard, whatever the position might be across the line, you're going to get offers from everybody. But where are you in your progression? I think it's important for UC to find guys that may be under a little bit under the radar at line, who they think this guy's not even close to what he could be in three to four years. So because if he was, then they probably, on in all honesty, wouldn't really have a shot to get him. So they need to be hunting these guys, and it sounds like both of them are, you know, the ascending type player. And then I think their their focus for the tackle position is that longer, more athletic, and again, maybe more of a developmental guy. But a guy whose frame right now says tackle, even though these guys are listed as tackle, their frame says interior. Where I think they're looking for. 6566 six, athletic long arms quicker type guys that they can then add weight to like very similar to like a Corey Cunningham situation
0: yeah. who then could be tackles down the road Shane what did, what did you hear when calling around and and talking to your sources on McAdams and Mendiola
1: <clears throat> I I think it's very similar to what you had to say I think that Guys, who you know, I think people get concerned with they when they look at the player ratings. But again, like like we've said, I don't I don't think that's a big concern. It was more of an attitude thing. And I think you know when you looked and they got here, you you identified that maybe there wasn't that you know nastiness that you needed to be successful offensive line. You know, in, in college football, and and they're two guys who are definitely more developmental players, but guys who already have you know that nastiness and that's something you really can't teach. You know, to be aggressive. And you, when you when you look at the film. And these guys, they're always getting after after play. They're always burying their defender, and that and that's something that I think Ron Crook likes.
0: Yeah, and I don't think physically there's a ton of development needed with either of these two guys. McAdams already six four, listed at two ninety five. 6'5", six five, two eighty five. Um, obviously, you know Brady Collins is going to get him in the weight room and, and reshape their body, but they both got pretty nice frames to to work with already. You're, you're not bringing in. You know, you'll see a tackle where you might bring in a, bring in a guy that's six six two thirty five, knowing that he's going to be at three hundred eventually. These two guys, Dave, have already got kind of the frame that you're you're wanting and looking for for an inside offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman.
2: Well, I also think too we're seeing something a lot different than what we've seen in the past. I just I just feel like I remember seeing. A whole lot of offensive linemen, uh, previous coaches' staffs brought in six four two forty five, yeah, two fifty five and and obviously they can get there, but that's a much bigger reach. And we're seeing, you know, those two guys you've mentioned
0: in the last class, Jeremy Cooper, almost three hundred pounds is an interior guy. And, um, and Woodside I mean, and O'Quinn – well, Woodside and O'Quinn were listed smaller, but by the time they arrived, both of those kids were in the 290 range.
2: Right. I mean, O'Quinn's listed at 255. When we saw him, that number was, I mean, 30 pounds off. And that was <laughs> before he even
0: got into the yeah, That was That was in spring program. football, like March.
2: Same thing with Woodside. I mean, Lorenz Metz, we talked about him – He's already 300 pounds and doesn't look like he weighs 270. So they're just – they're not – I don't think they're taking those guys that we were used to seeing that were the big projections, like the Corey Cunningham 6'5", 235 high school tight end. They ended up being able to put 70 pounds on. So I think these are just your more prototypical guys and – then you're just doing the usual college, you know, strength program reshaping and and filling out in that regard.
0: Um, another area that they've again put a, a, a good amount of emphasis on is the defensive line. Uh, you've got Emmanuel Hickman uh, that was landed, um, can play a couple different spots. Six three two thirty five. Probably I think projects as an end. Uh, but depending on how big he gets, could probably play some tackle. Uh, when I saw him, I mean that Dave, I think you saw him as well, right? When he was here. Yeah, I was. I was there for his weekend visit. <laughs> it's a crazy story, but uh, that kid—that uh, <laughs> kid's really well built. I mean, it, it, he looked the part for sure.
2: Oh yeah, he's. I mean, he's what you want to see. I as mean, our site twenty four seven has enlisted as a D tackle. I think that's just going to be kind of up to them. Whether Is he fast enough to play the end, or do they feel like we can put that weight? Uh, I think that might be a bit of a reach from a D-tackle standpoint um, to get there. But, yeah, I mean, I think in a couple of the guys that they've had in recently, I think they're all there's another, like we talked about with the corners, just needing more speed I think their focus on the defensive line is the long, rangy defensive end. There's Myjay Sanders was really the first one that they've been able to bring yeah. in that's in that you know six five six six. That's already like two thirty five, not the six six two fifteen guy. Right. But the six five six six two thirty five guy, because they've got a bunch of the six one six. Foot six two guys those you know, but they need some more of those longer athletic guys and I think that's where just over this past weekend when they brought in Stephen Hawthorne from Chicago, he's listed at six four two twenty and Isaiah Ruffin is even more in that line from Oak Park Illinois six six two thirty five. I think those two guys and obviously JJ Weaver. I mean if they can get him, that's a totally different story. But I think those two guys are that next phase that they're looking for as far as DN, similar to how they're just trying
0: to increase the overall speed and quickness of the defensive backfield. And then the most recent guy, Zach Hummel, Shane, um, a guy from Hilliard Bradley listed as an athlete, 6'3", 235. They're looking at him as kind of that hybrid linebacker, defensive end type that, uh, that they have uh, Kevin Muhan in. That Ethan Tucky is kind of in that role as well. Um, a really good athlete on uh, is Hummel, and a guy that that gives them some athleticism on that defensive line might not be as long as some of the guys that Dave was talking about, but definitely fits on the athleticism end.
1: Yeah, he's pretty hand selected for that position. He fits it very well. You know, he saw he sees a lot of reps at his high school at tight end too. And you know he, he like you say, he doesn't have he doesn't have you know the extreme length like some of these other guys do, but he's he's just a football player and a guy they're looking you know to come in and you know create depth at that buck position, and I think he's a really good fit and he's a really good pickup for him.
0: And then the the one guy in this class I know everybody's waiting to see a, a bump for Eric Phillips, and he's been committed a while, so he doesn't really fit the uh, the group that we've been talking about that have all been mostly recent, but. I don't know how you can reevaluate Eric Phillips until you see his senior tape, Dave. Because this kid was six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds in, in his high school football season in December, and now he's six foot three, two hundred and eighty pounds—completely different-looking yeah, human being. Like it's not the same dude. You're, yeah, you're evaluating a totally different person and a
2: position that. He's never going. He's never played. I mean, they're gonna. They're obviously. I mean, I shouldn't say obviously. You never know. But it, it's hard for me to see them keeping him a tight end uh, in that style of offense. I think he's going to be, you know, strictly a defensive lineman for Corayne. So yeah, I mean, you're you're not evaluating a You know, he might have been a seventy-two rating as a six-three, two hundred fifty-pound tight end that probably had five to ten catches all last year, if that. Um, you're just, it's a totally different ball game now. So that the eval and that rating means nothing at this point. It's just a placeholder. Uh, unfortunately, you know, for fans that get into all that stuff, unfortunately it's a placeholder that's keeping their class, you know, average player rating down. But I mean, these guys will all get reevaluated several times throughout the season. So we've, we saw that, you know, several times last year, guys, moving up, moving down, what have you. So, I mean, right now, to me, it's not a huge deal. There's such a discrepancy with class sizes right now. You know, you have a Miami, Ohio that has like 16, 17 commits. that's ahead of UC. But then you have major, major power five schools that have, you know, four, five, six commits that are behind UC in the ratings, but their average player rating is, you know, in the high 80s or something like that. So, I mean – Right now, in the middle of June, the whole class ranking stuff means very little.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean a whole lot in February either, but it's there there to be looked at.
2: At least (laughs) at that point, it's like final, and you can say, we finished here. Right.
0: If they're keeping score, we want to win. Exactly. Um, But it'll be impressive if they can win this
2: year, considering they're probably going to be taking... A lot less players than most
0: of
1: the other classes at the conference. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure they'll win this year.
0: No, and it, that I wanted to get to that before we, we ended the recruiting talk. Um, I So, as it stands right now, if the roster stays as is, there's only 13 seniors this year. So, that's 13 spots that are opening up roughly – Room for about fifteen guys. Now you're gonna have some attrition, some transfers, some guys have you know uh, injuries that might um, end their football career, whatever the case may be. All the things that you see regularly uh, that that amount to the normal level of attrition that is experienced uh, in a football college football program with eighty five scholarship players. But I don't see they're not getting to 25 like that. I can't, I, and and I've always, you know, me, Dave, we've talked about this in the past. I've been the biggest proponent of, I'm just calling it 25 because it's going to be 25. Like, (laughs) no matter what, it's going to be 25, but I just don't see any way that number increases from 15 to 25 this season because, one, most of the roster is young. And two, most of these guys were brought in by Luke Fickle and company that are in that younger group, be it his first recruiting class, the the class that's signed it on campus now in this incoming class uh, in 2019. That's going to make up a large chunk of the roster. And I just don't see a lot of attrition guys exiting in that scenario. So it's probably going to be 18, 19, 20. Probably at most 21-22, but I, I just can't see any way they get to 25.
2: Right. I mean, if, if you were a guy that was on the roster when the staff got here and you haven't already transferred out because you didn't like the staff or you didn't like the prospects of playing time, you're probably not going to all of a sudden go after this year right? because you'll be a junior or a senior. So, you know, I can – like you said, I could see – you know, there's always – they always seem to work things out, which I I don't even want to know how they figure it out. But, I mean, I could see 22. It's just tough for me to see them adding 14 more guys to this
1: class.
0: Yeah, I just – the numbers for me, the, w- the way the roster is, the way that, that things are set up, and just from talking to people around the program, I don't think there's an expectation that they can get close to 25. Like, it, it, this doesn't seem like we'll get there, like, you know, don't worry about it. Well, this seems a, like we're expecting thing, small. Go I think if
2: they were going to get to 25, they would have taken a few guys that camped
0: that they've passed on. That's fair, and I think they learned a, a valuable lesson last year. You got to keep a spot or two open for that in-between period of the two signing periods. Because right. I mean, they, you know, if they're only gonna, if they've got
2: eleven now, and they're let's just say for a round number, they're only going to take twenty. You know, they're going to keep two or three spots open for after that initial signing day in December. So say that's three, that's 14. So from now until December, they would only be adding six more guys. And there's, you know, Shane can get into this better than I can here in a second, but I'm sure there's, whether it's guys that have already visited as unofficials or camped or got, or part of those groups that just made, unofi- made official visits or some guys that might be coming up this weekend, those guys – you know, they're probably trying to get some commits out of that group. So that that six number could be down to four in the next ten days or something. So it's just it doesn't the numbers
0: the math doesn't work. Right. I I completely agree. I, I just don't see how it works. It doesn't it just doesn't I can't find a way to get to twenty five. Now watch though I'll end up looking stupid and I'll get to twenty five, but <laughs> Yeah, just, but
2: I mean you can't
0: project that now. No. I mean, you have, sure, a bunch of guys could get hurt and their careers could be over. Or,
2: or guys in Luke's first recruiting class that haven't played
0: could say, I'm out of here. We just don't I mean, those are things we have no idea about. Right. Shane, um, you got anything else you want to add on the recruiting front?
1: Uh, I, there'll be an interesting story out tomorrow. Um, and I think to look for, I, I don't obviously like to guarantee a commitment but I'd look for a commitment sometime next week.
0: Okay. You're All saying. right. I'm just can, can, I throw, can I throw some names at Shane and see what he's got for us? Have at it. I'm going to sit back and get some popcorn ready. All right.
2: Demarcus Harris, wide receiver, Hero Beach, Florida, unofficial visited today. What do you got?
1: I don't have anything on that yet.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm breaking the recruiting news now. Hey. I have a – I know he visited, but I have another receiver <laughs> that there will be a story on tomorrow that may or may not got a crystal ball to UC today from a certain oh, somebody. Oh,
2: okay. Well, he, he was on my list too. But it looks like uh, Syracuse, Indiana, UC for Demarcus Harris. A couple guys crystal balled him, Syracuse somewhat recently, so just do something that we'll be watching. We already talked about Hawthorne and Ruffin who – who official last weekend. Uh, I'll let you just release your article tomorrow. A couple other guys that recently put UC in that top five, you know, tweet edit, top six tweet edit is Kyron mckinney Harper from Detroit. We have a yeah, out cast. Cast.
1: yeah, out of Yeah, out of Tech. Tech. That's, an, that's another guy where I don't know if he'll have a spot for him because they're very 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 selective with that DV position. And it's the same thing. I did interview the other Florida kid who put Cincinnati in his top five just because, you know, I would expect that final spot to come somewhere from down south. Um, Yeah. So I do have an interview with him, and that will be coming whenever Chad wants to post it. Um, So I think that's Eldridge Franklin. Yeah, yeah, Franklin. So – I mean, you got stories on them, but I, I have a very good, very good um, summary that says after these next few weeks, Cincinnati recruiting is gonna get a little boring.
0: I yeah. Just to let you know, I don't have a, a story on Eldrick Franklin in my uh, in my queue here, so. Uh, um it's 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 i I have the interview it's in my twitter dm so it'll be posted tonight don't (laughs) worry well i can't post stories that you haven't sent me so i did before you put that on me and everybody starts coming at me for sitting on stories just wanted to let them know i do not have that story and when i I have have
1: it you have sitting on you have
0: sat on stories before well when you're wrong (laughs) sometimes i have to sit on them but what? <laughs>
2: nonetheless, nonetheless, nonetheless. I'm, I'm running this segment.
0: Okay, I just want to let everybody okay. know Amir, I don't have that article to post yet. When I do, I will. Resume. Amir
2: Richardson, M- Morgantown, West Virginia. That
1: kid's going to West Virginia. There's no point in talking That's, to
2: him. Uh, right? I don't understand why he hasn't. Why he puts out a top seven I don't with army yes, with army and Marshall in it <laughs> when you know if he's a take. To West Virginia. He's <laughs> yeah. going to West
0: Virginia.
1: The kid's probably Fire got Country
0: Roads playing in his bio.
2: Yeah.
1: The kid, I so, mean, he's uh, the top-rated DB in West Virginia, and I confirmed that he's a take for West Virginia. I don't understand, like Dave said, why you're still dragging out the process.
2: Chad, um, he, he posted yesterday on the uh, dual-threat dual quarterback
0: from Texas that visited. Anything uh, anything new
1: on that? Um, I'm uh, Oh, Jack, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I, I heard the visit went really well. Um, and Shane is efforting information uh, specifics on the visit. So I'll, I'll leave that to Shane. Wonderful. I'm, I'm still
1: texting and trying to get a hold of him. He's probably still on his plane or had just recently got off of it. But that guy is insane on tape. Chris Harris. He's single he's very similar yeah, I mean, to John Bryant last year. He carried his team most of the season.
2: I think that's you know, with I think uh George Johnson who visited this past weekend and him, they were kind of both the s similar Josh State offer Ge-
1: today.
2: He did, so I think that's that one's in the in the bag, I think.
0: Uh, that one's what we'll call a long shot, George Johnson the third.
2: Yeah. So once you once you get that FSU offer uh, that he was probably hoping for, being a Florida kid, you're probably wanting one of the of the Florida, Florida State, Miami offers. So that one's going to be a tough one for Coach Fickle and the staff to to pull up to the Queen City. But I think they have a a better a, a you know I don't know I haven't talked to him Shane's trying to but I think they have a better than decent shot
1: with uh, is it
2: Chad Hannah Harris?
1: i chris don't heron? recognize
2: chris heron hair chris yeah. heron because i mean i think a lot of people not a lot of people but at least some people have thought he was an indiana guy and that still hasn't happened and it doesn't seem that the texas schools are really after him that hard
1: so i was surprised, maybe, uh, like you said i was very surprised when Chad, when we figured out that he was a fit, uh, visiting this weekend and he hadn't already committed yet, it's very surprising. I thought he'd be committed to Indiana or early in the cycle. I would
0: have thought it would have been Baylor before that. That's one that uh, he is being personally recruited by Gino Gadulli, who is now the quarterback's coach, as everybody knows. And uh, that's one. I, I think they might have some momentum there. I'll be interested to see what he has to sh- say to Shane when Shane's able to get a hold of him. I've
1: heard he's not a guy. I heard he's not a guy who does interviews. So, and just for B C J fans who who are curious, it's normally about two phone calls and about two texts, and then that's when I I stop trying
0: they're going to get on you for your stick-to-itiveness there but trust me i had to put the limit on him somewhere because when we first when we first got <laughs> when we first got Shane he was like a um like a 17-year-old girl that was waiting to hear back from the guy that she hooked up with over the weekend <laughs> and he would send 73 text messages and 26 phone calls and there were a couple of the guys in the 2018 cycle that contacted me about restraining orders So, (laughs) (laughs) no. To be fair,
1: a lot of those guys I now talk to all the time, and they actually text me first. So you know, the tables flip after a while.
0: Your persistence paid off, young man. Congratulations! (laughs) Yeah, way way to go.
1: (laughs) I mean, we can say what we want, but those guys are going to be very good Bearcat Journal, you know, fans. They know the site. They read the site daily. Uh, So look what it turned out. You can. Make fun of me all you want, but look what happened. Now we got <laughs> guys like Malik Van, Josh Wiley, Ben Bryant, who love the side. So they, they? All I care about is: Are they paying members?
0: I don't know that. You would have to talk to Chad about that. I don't um, know. I, I, I believe all have family that are paying members. Good. That's that's good to hear. I, I and who do you think? Who case. do you
1: think got that to happen?
0: Not you. They had. They were looking for restraining they wanted, orders.
1: You know, they wanted to <laughs> read the content on the story about themselves. So and who was writing the stories? I was. So I do think that happened?
0: <laughs> After seventy six text messages and twenty four phone calls. <laughs> yeah. So uh, th- those are those are all the names I have. I think
2: uh, as we've kind of mentioned, there might be some other.
0: Uh, Visitors or something on line this week that something might happen there, but um. from my knowledge, there will be an official visitor tomorrow. Um, I will, will will be able to release that official visitor uh, when they arrive uh, in Cincinnati. So uh, that is one I have been tracking since this weekend. It is a large human being. That much I can tell you right now. Um, and it's not a local. So if you're gonna go try mm-hmm. to figure if you're gonna try to figure that one out, I think you're gonna have a hard time figuring out who this one is until I put the name on the board tomorrow. So that's about all I got on the recruiting front. Shane? Yeah, I, I mean I appreciate gotta... your, your diligence and taking a ribbing from me as always when we have see this is the thing I don't get, Dave. He he begs and begs and begs to be on the podcast and then when he's I don't on
1: I beg, I ask. Hey Chad,
0: we're just, we just no, like we're going to make fun of him. Yeah, I have to pick on him. It's it's just what we do. No,
1: you just ignored what I said.
0: What'd you say? I just had five <laughs> commitments.
1: Hey, Chad, when are we going to have a BCJ podcast? I text you that like two weeks ago, and two weeks later, we have a podcast. It. it I mean, you're the <laughs> publisher. It should not we've take been, that long to get a podcast. We've been together. kind
0: of busy, Shane. Yeah. Busy
1: with what?
0: uh lots of things like going to campus for camps and working the camps every day
1: the the camps are like two hours long
0: i was in the emergency room for a day that's
1: a personal problem
0: (laughs) it is a personal problem that's probably going to have me in bed for all of july because of surgery so (laughs) that's going to be fun
1: I'll tell, I'll text you, keep you confident.
0: Ooh, I, I did get it. it like I'll I'll, I'll share. I, I found out today. Not only do I have one hernia, I have two.
1: I don't even know what a hernia is. <laughs> Google it. Google it. How
0: do you, I can't or, or the second one? I don't do you know. Have two? I don't know how I have two. I have two. I've got one that that's where, you know, normally, where they normally are. And then I was talking to the doctor today and he said, do you have a second one? And I said, no. And he said, how about right there on your belly button? And he pushed in really hard and I was like, you son of a bitch. That hurt. And he was like, yeah, you got two. That's, uh, that is not good. No, I didn't even, I guess, I, I guess I don't push on my belly button enough or something because. I didn't even know I had the second one. But now I have to have two – well, one surgery, but on two different places when I get back from vacation. So you guys are in charge next week. You guys are in charge next week.
1: I'm not in charge of anything. Dave's going to have to check the board.
0: There will be people getting blocked and deleted left and right. I would be on your best behavior next week because I am going to be in the Redneck Riviera, Destin, Florida. The, the the wife is healthy and has been given the the okay to go on vacation. Uh thanks to everybody for all your thoughts and prayers and well wishes. Kelsey is cancer Kelly is cancer free. Kelsey is still a pain in the ass. Uh and we're going on vacation. So next week I will uh do you need it? I'll be out of town. Before before we end this wonderful podcast, do we need to talk some talk any hoops? Ah, uh, we can. I was trying to get Shane off the phone, and he's still talking. So, no, get up. hang up, Shane. Shane, thank Bye. you. You got okay. Okay. You got no, 40,
1: for...
0: You got forty-five minutes on a podcast.
1: Well, I mean, it's about time. It only took two or
0: three weeks. Uh, you're here, so you're here now. And guess what? Guess what, Shane? I'm waiting. Now you're gone. He's gone. <laughs> Uh we can talk a little hoops. I was gonna do a uh, a little a little notebook tonight, but we can we can hit on some stuff here before we go. Uh, well, that's fine. Breaking news. Okay, I got breaking hoops news, not UC related,
2: but UConn in quotations uncovers NCAA violations under fired coach Kevin Ollie. That's shocking yeah, I'm real surprised they're gonna to try to get out from that nine million dollar buyout. Apparently, they're accusing him of setting up calls between recruits and former NBA star Ray Allen uh, allowing players free travel to meet with a trainer. Well,
0: that is uh, t- technically a violation. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like <laughs> I- I'm surprised that they're gonna get Ray Allen to flip on him. Ray Ray Allen's a pretty pretty di, diehard Jim Calhoun guy, I would think. Yeah. Well,
2: how about this? Since you hadn't you're gonna do a notebook, let's not talk about what you're gonna talk about. Let's just talk a little like uh, a little draft.
0: Okay. Since the draft is draft is tomorrow. And unfortunately uh, we didn't get our special guest. It right. doesn't look so, like at this point. I think
2: we're all we're all expecting Jacob to be drafted, I would guess somewhere in the 23 to
0: 33 range. What do you think about that? I was told in talking to some sources yesterday, between 28 and 33 is where he'll be drafted. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, I,
2: I think he's a guy that a good team at the end of the first round would like to have on their roster, have control of. And then I, I think if he does flip, I think he's a guy
0: that a bad team at the front of the second round sees as probably just the best player available at that point. Yeah, and I also think, you know, we've seen recently how the NBA draft works, and especially once you hit that second round, there are a million trades. So I could oh, even yeah. I could even see somebody, a good team, moving up to the early in that second round to to get him and get a little bit more value if he does slip. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not necessarily guaranteeing that if he slips into the second that he's going to be with a bad team. Um, no, that's true. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's, that's just what I've heard somewhere between 28 and 33. Um, I think that would be about right from what I've been hearing and saying all along. Uh, in that, why he would go into the draft, um, that he would be taken somewhere in that range, and it looks like that is going to play out uh, in that fashion. And, and we can talk some team stuff, but I mean, if you, it, you know, I, do I you? Okay,
2: well, we're not done, not quite done. Okay. Do you think if I bet you a hundred dollars that Gary Clark was going to get drafted, would you take the bet?
0: Probably. I would think 60-40 he doesn't because it's so hard to predict once you get into the, the 50s. Right. Um, I would think 60-40 he doesn't, but there have been a lot of teams getting a look at him. and He sure has been getting them frequent flyer miles the yeah. last two weeks. I mean, so, there might not be a guy in the draft that's worked out for more teams. Right. So everybody's got a, an evaluation. Everybody's got to look at him. I think some of that is uh, drafting at the back end of the draft. I think some of that is also he is going to be, if he doesn't go drafted, he's going to be one of the the high-priority free agent signings uh, right. that will have yeah. a chance to make a team. So um, I, That's why I think that he might get drafted. Because, because somebody uh, wants to keep him from going into that free agent pool. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm somebody
2: not, might go, we like him, we probably – don't really want to draft him, but if we don't get him, then we got to fight everybody for him. Where well, if we at least draft him, then he's ours. And right. we can figure it out from
0: there. Right. No, I agree with you uh, completely on that. Um, I, I think you are, you are on to something there. But... I mean, it, it's it's just really difficult to to project who's going to actually end up getting taken because you see so many of those guys, um, you see so many of those guys that they start taking the European guys, the stash and dash guys. Um, so it, it's just the really up, hard up to predict. Side. Yeah, it, it's you know, and that's the thing we know about Gary is that you're getting exactly what you think you're getting. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, I don't think it's a long shot by any stretch. I think it's a little less likely than not, but there is a, a pretty decent, uh, opportunity for him to find his way into the back end of that second round.
2: I'm hoping so. I mean, I know we all are, but I mean, that, that dude deserves everything he gets and I would just love it. Just for him to get his name called. Oh, absolutely! Uh, tomorrow night, I think. Think it would be awesome. My third question: Will the Lakers draft Kyle Washington? <laughs> no. Since they worked him out, yeah. I always laugh at the workout things because, and I mean, I don't know if this is what they did with Kyle, but it's like you see some of these dudes that get called in workouts, like. You realize they need guys for the guys they're actually interested in to go against, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I you know, I think there is uh, – with Kyle, I, I think it's going to be an uphill Which battle. Which is basically
2: why the two, the two guys from across town got any
0: workout invites. Yeah. So – but I'll leave that there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Kyle's going to have a very good professional career.
2: Oh, I think he – I mean – I don't think it's going to be in the NBA, but I think that dude is going to make a ton of money in Europe, where his I think his game probably Europe or some, some league like that, where his game might might fit more.
0: Uh, I agree. More nicely, I. Guess. I agree. All right, you got some team questions for me. Uh, team team questions. Let's start with uh, how the new guys look. Um. Okay, um, I, I think Rashawn Fredericks is obviously going to be the most ready, um, but from what I have seen since he and, and, and heard since he arrived on campus, it ain't going to be easy because Keith Williams has has had a pretty good summer so far. He is not ready to concede that spot to anyone. So, I mean... That That's going to be a, a fun battle to watch between now and throughout the season, really, because I, I don't think Keith Williams is ready to to give anybody uh, what he feels like is his opportunity with Jacob Evans declaring early uh, and going into the NBA draft. Uh, I think Keith sees that as his opportunity to, uh, to be on the floor substantial minutes, and uh, Rashawn Fredericks is going to have to take that from him. Right. Um, I think Logan Johnson – uh they're working on his jump shot um the the thing i would the thing that, that kind of is weird there is the kid taught himself to shoot left-handed because his brother was left-handed well he's not left-handed he's right-handed so his shot was funky and by what i mean when i say his shot was funky is his right hand was in front of the ball when he shot it
2: we have the collection of the most goofiest shooting Mothers in the history <laughs> well, of
0: college basketball right now. Fredericks has a very Kyle Washington uh, jump shot. He he doesn't take it back to his shoulder blades. He stops kind of at the the back of his head. Uh, so it's not as Kyle Washington as Kyle Washington's three pointer, uh, but it, it it's similar. Um, Laquiers is a, is a little flat. He is decent form. It's a little flat on his jumper, and then. Um, Logan Johnson had decided to, uh, to try to block his shot when he shot it by putting his right hand in front of the ball. But, uh, the, the good Everybody thing about, yeah you know, the good thing about Logan, very hardworking kid. They have worked with him to, to get that hand, uh, onto the side of the ball a little bit more. And he has been very receptive to that. Um, so you know, that's going to be a work in progress throughout the summer. Uh, but you know, um, the, that's going to be something he's going to have to spend a lot of time on. Uh, But with Logan, the kid can pass, man. I mean, he's still doing some stuff that that you can't do at the college level, like driving baseline, and then when you get under the rim, um, trying to to throw a bounce pass up the middle of the rim to a guy cutting to the basket. And that works great in high school and AAU. Uh, But when you have the length and athleticism of college guys, there's zero chance that that pass is going to be completed. <clears throat> so little things like that, uh, but but he sees it. Like he he's he's trying to get the ball to somebody. It's just there's not a lane that you're going to be able to get it there uh, with a play like that. But uh, the the kid throws throws really crisp, really sharp passes. Um, loves the bounce pass. I, I've never seen someone bounce pass as much as he does. Like a, he'd be like a, like an old time, like, you know, old time instructor. When he throws dream. the,
2: when he throws the bounce pass and he really emphasizes it and get the thumbs down. I remember
0: that. Oh, yeah. like oh, oh, Growing yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. You flip the wrist and the thumbs go down.
0: Yes. He, he is a, <laughs> he is a skilled bounce passer. Um, but I, I, overall, I mean, they're, they're competing well. Um, you know, I think Laquille's got a little bit of Trevor Moore in him. Um, where he, he probably likes to have a little bit more fun than is, you know, sometimes allowed at practice. He smiles a lot, and, you know, they'll, they'll get, they'll get uh, that, Nick that out is, of Nick will get that out of him They'll quick. get that out of him. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think they're all, they all look pretty good. They all, at least physically and athletically, they all fit. Uh, and this is going to be a really long, really athletic team that's going to look to get in the passing lanes and pressure you defensively, so – um, that's going to be kind how of our uh, strength.
2: Offensively, has uh, Ellie taken any stakes? Yes, you know what? You know, we know how, how he is defensively, and I think that's the next step. I mean, obviously we're not – I don't think anyone's expecting 15-foot jumpers or fadeaways from the baseline. But uh, a, more, a little bit more competent offensive player to go with his effort and defense would be uh, a
0: huge help. For this team, he is he has gotten much much better at finishing with his dominant hand. Um, now everything is left. Uh, he is not he is not ready to go with the right hand quite yet, but he has gotten much much more effective with that left hand around the rim. Um, the the one good thing about Ellie is he's gonna work. I, I, I and I can tell you. I was at camp, uh, football camp, I think two weeks ago on a Saturday. Um, and I think it was one of the four to seven camps. And I was up at, at Shakely Lawn watching the offensive and defensive linemen do drills. And I look over and, you know, we're getting getting t- towards the end. It's like six 630 or so. And there's Ellie walking towards the gym on a Saturday. Um, I stopped him, asked what he was doing, said he was going to meet with Mamadou, and they were going to get some work in and that's who the kid is he's gonna work and he's gonna improve uh it's just the the rate at which it happens um I think offensively you know he's still gonna have his limitations and he's not gonna be Danny Fortson by any stretch of the imagination um but when he gets to his left he's gonna be able to get the ball in the basket this year what else oh, good um
2: it's still early, so I mean, I, yeah. I don't
0: know. I mean, they're they really, they really. They're they're really... Not gonna be like, no, be like, who's the most improved? How hell they you know? They've been practicing for like two weeks.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, if
0: I had to answer that, I would say Keith Williams right now.
2: Okay. What, um, I guess, anything, you know, people are probably jonesing for some recruiting news. It seems like at this stage in the game, that last, he's gonna get
0: rolled over is that accurate um most likely yeah I I still there's okay. one guy and, there's one guy I have my eye on that might be a 2019 to 2018 reclassification um, I'm keeping a, an eye on it but I, I would say it's less likely than than not so um, okay
2: so then we're looking at 2019 we've got another what Refresh everybody on the summer schedule.
0: Is there another eval period, or are we done with that? No, there's there's three uh, five day eval periods in July. Um, the okay. first the first one is all of the shoe company championships, the Peach Jam, the Under Armour Championship, the Adidas Championship. Um, that's I think the 11th is when that starts. The 18th is kind of a uh, all over the place. Weekend, um, smaller events uh, across the country. Um, And then the last one, which would be what, the 25th, um, is um, Vegas. So three more five-day open evaluation periods for AAU tournaments. Uh, I was planning to be at those, but now I have to have double hernia surgery. (laughs) You can still go. Uh, yeah. Do
2: you think there's been a any sort of separation with the top group? Uh, I know there's just a lot of names floated around here and there, but is there is there separation or are they still waiting? I mean, for this
0: next round to kind of hone in on a specific couple I mean, the, guys. There's there's definitely one specific in Kiki Tandy, the young man from right uh, down in in Western Kentucky. Um, uh, Hopkinsville. Hopkinsville, yeah. Um, I so this. Uh, I'll I'll break some news on this podcast.
2: Oh, breaking news! Sound the alarms.
0: Samari Curtis visited Monday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your, your your boy Snow didn't have that one. No, that's a Chad Brendel exclusive. Samari Curtis visited, oh, visited on on uh, visited Monday. Okay. took in a uh, workout, and, that, and then it went well. I mean, how did that go? Well, I mean, he's been down here a couple he's times been, before.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, he was here for one of the games.
0: Yeah, and he and was then here a couple times. And then committed to like yeah. two days later. He was here a couple <laughs> times last summer for workouts and things of that nature as well. So uh, nothing new, just uh, re, re, re-acclimating themselves to each other. Um, I, that one I think is going to play out at least through July. Uh, we'll see how it goes from there. Um, the Ohio state thing is weird because Ohio state kind of has a new philosophy and that philosophy is you don't, you don't have, you don't quote unquote, have an offer until you're ready to commit. Right. So the question of, you know, has Ohio state offered, well, the only time you're going to hear of Ohio State offering is like a day before he commits. And if yeah. you if you hear of Ohio State offering, it's a wrap, pretty much. That that's, they that's commit, then he's yeah. probably
2: committing. Then the guy is
0: probably committing. That's that's kind of how they're playing um, this game now. It seems like, but he was on campus. So former former Xavier commit Samari Curtis did visit UC on Monday.
2: Samir Torrance, he.
0: See a two a nineteen years, Do you think he's going to stay in twenty? I I mean I I think it's close. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say nineteen, but I wouldn't rule out twenty at all. Um, I think the kid has probably shown enough this summer to move up. Um, it'll be interesting to see where his stock is at in July, at the end of July. Um, I think that'll be the telltale. You know, we'll have a much better idea if he's going to be nineteen or twenty uh, once July is done.
2: And, and do you think I'm accurate in saying that is he
0: is he still one of their top targets regardless of class? Um, he's up there. He's up there.
1: I, I, I think the concern.
0: I think the concern with him is he's one of those guys that does a lot of things at, at a good level. But he's he's not he doesn't he doesn't have that kind of alpha guy thing that we saw them really struggle with with like Jake and Gary, you know he, he's not right. he's not a guy that's gonna go get you a bucket, um and I think you know having gone through that, uh, obviously you know Jake and Gary had phenomenal careers as Bearcats, but it constantly having to prod someone to get something out of them that they probably just aren't going to, it's not going to happen. Like you either have that in your DNA or you don't. Um, And I think that there's a little bit of concern with him that he's a facilitator. He's a, he's a, a rotation guy as opposed to a front end guy. And, you know, a rotation guy, Mm -hmm. as as we saw with both Jake and Gary, very efficient. Um, But you got to have some alphas. And I, I think that's why, You've really seen the focus on a guy like Kiki Tandy, uh, and now that he's back on the market, Samari Curtis. Uh, those two guys are looking to get buckets. So, you know, I, I think that's just a little bit of a of maybe a disconnect with, with Samir Torrance. Not that I, I still expect them to recruit him. I, I know that they like him. Um, I just know that in comparison, when you're looking at what they're what they're going after, um, compared to to what his game is I just think there's a there's a different thing that they're looking for maybe and and maybe if he goes to 20 that changes like (coughs) excuse me Mm -hmm. if you get one of those two guys maybe you can take a guy in 20 that's a little bit more um facilitator because you're gonna have somebody that's gonna go get buckets so um I just think that you're looking at right now it you, you know Jaren's going into his junior year. Um, you'll have two years of him. By the time this class gets here, you'll have one year of him. Kane is going to graduate. You're going to need some bucket getters. You're going to need some guys that are that are right. wired to score. Um, and I I don't know that necessarily you know he's right in line with that for 2019 in terms of what they want at the guard spot.
2: Um a Newer name, Caleb Mills. Does he fit the bucket getter category? Yeah, I,
0: I haven't heard a lot about him because he didn't play on the shoe circuits. I've talked to a couple people that seen him, and they really like him. Um, combo guard, can score, um, good skill set, aggressive. He's definitely not, from the things I've heard, he's definitely not on the level of, of Tandy or Curtis, but – um, I think right. he's a guy that if he, if he he's on a lot of radars, if he has a really good July, I think you're going to see uh, him really start to to gather a lot more interest, much like we saw um, a lot of those point guard prospects that they were after last year that you didn't hear a lot about until we got to July, and then when we got to July, those names blew up and all of a sudden Power 5 schools were all over him. Um, so he's an interesting one to watch because I think there could be some traction with that one. Um, but you know, it'll be what level he's at in July. I don't think Mick saw him, uh, in the spring. So he's definitely probably going to be on the, uh, take a look list when July hits.
2: All right. I
1: think
2: that's kind of it right now. I mean, obviously more will come into focus uh about a
0: month. So, yeah. It might be more of a relevant conversation to have uh in a month or month and a half. Absolutely. And and that's that's kind of a good tune-up for for where things are at heading into July. This is a an interesting class because it's not and, and this seems to be a recurring theme over the past couple classes. Um not a lot of big men. <laughs> so, finding a polished big is going to be difficult, and I think they probably need one in this class. Right, but finding a, a skilled, offensive-minded kid that's six, eight, or so—the competition for those kids right now is very steep. Very steep.
2: Yeah. If
0: There's not a lot of big men available, then that means that the ones that are are uh, have the interest of everyone. Yeah, I mean, well, there you know, there's plenty of kids with size, but there's not a lot of kids with offensive skill. And that's, you know, that's kind of that. That's what they're looking for because, you know, Nas and, and Ellie are rim protectors and and you know more traditional um, length athleticism type centers. But you know, you're not you're not running your offense, throwing them, you know, coming down and throwing them the ball and, and looking to get a bucket. So uh, I think a guy, yep. I think a guy like that is 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 desirable. I just don't think there's a lot of them out there. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So, that should about wrap it up. Uh, we, we gave you a little, about, about 20, 25 minutes of basketball talk there after I hung up on Shane. So, a little, um, bit of, little bit of everything. A little, little bit of everything, some recruiting, some football, some basketball. Um, unfortunately, we, we we didn't touch base with Jacob Evans. Um, I, I will keep on him about that. I know uh, he was worried. Uh, just He was out of Golden State today and the time difference, and then having to get ready for the draft tomorrow. Um, I don't know exactly what his plans are, whether he's going to be back in Louisiana or if he'll be in New York or whatever the case may be. But another travel day tomorrow. I know he had a lot on his plate. He was going to try to carve out some time for us. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I will stay on him. I will get on him for big time in me today, and uh, I will guilt him into doing the BCJ podcast at some point. Because Perfect. Yeah, I mean, you know That's how we do business Yeah, I'll guilt him into it (laughs) But special guest, Shane Kenny, Thanks for coming on And uh, getting the the general Shane Kenny hard time That he always gets when he talks to the two of us And for those wondering It's not just the podcast We give Shane a a hard time whenever we see him So, it's a Well, it's it's 99% deserving Well, I mean We could tell the story from when we first started this phone call but <laughs> Man, we'll let that one go. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks, Dave. Good to, uh, good to talk to you. Get the, uh, thank, the podcast you, back sir. rolling. Um, I'll be on vacation next week, but I, I'll be laid up for like a couple weeks. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to, uh, be healthy for when camp starts at the end of July. Um, but we're going to have uh, a lot of stuff. I'll, you've got a couple previews that you've sent to me. I will be getting those up while I'm on vacation so that we continue to uh, get some good content on the front page. Uh, I know you've got me a couple a couple AAC opponents and the UCLA uh, game already previewed and in my inbox. We will start getting those out to the people, and uh, we'll get ready to ramp up. Uh, once, once we hit July, the, the, the countdown to training camp is on especially now with uh, like last year, it'll be like last year, uh, that last week of July will be camp uh, because they added a week once they took out two-a-days. So it's almost go time already for football, as hard as that is to believe.
2: I'm excited. Got got my basketball tickets Monday. Row one in the second deck. I saw that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you happen to be born into a family that's been boosters forever. You uh, you get to get to pick early, somewhat early. So yes, Bearcat Journal Twitter and Mrs. Bearcat Journal Twitter
0: will be in the incline row one, seat one and two. Very excited. There you go. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks again to Dave. Thanks to Shane. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal dot com.